tap into the minds of the innovators and the mavericks who challenge the status quo with new ideas, systems, and solutions. Welcome to Innovation Mavericks. Hi, my name is Greg Powell, President and CEO of Five Plan Partners, and welcome to Innovation Mavericks, a blog that we created to educate people about different ideas and introduce them to people who are thinking outside the box, especially in this COVID world that we've been in in 2020. And today I am thrilled to introduce you to a dear friend of mine who has become very successful. He's CEO, founder, and chairman of Melt. Melt, and I just will tell you, there's so many accolades here. It's a full-service agency offering its clients event and experimental marketing, social and digital media, sponsorship strategies, and consulting. Vince Thompson has received a lot of recognition, awards. Uh, He's been named Chief Marketer Magazine's 2020 Top 200 Agencies, Sports Business Journal's 2019 Power Players, Atlanta Business Chronicles 2018 Most Admired CEOs. And from the standpoint of other lists that have gone on, he graduated from Auburn in 1984 and had a vision on how to market himself and to create this company. And I think he's a great story. And on top of that, Vince, I wanted to ask you today because you got a new book out that I'm passing out copies on called Build Brand You. Mm -hmm. So with that said, and I could brag on you some more. I just want to introduce everyone to Vince Thompson. And Vince, thank you for taking time to uh, be on this blog with me. Well, it's, it's an honor. I'm always flattered to be able to talk to anybody about, about things, but particularly one of my dearest, oldest friends in the world, uh, 1985 Birmingham JC's yes. Birmingham Press Club. Don't um, Camp Smile a Mile. Camp Smile a Mile, uh, one of the greatest things that we we both have ever done in our life. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, I've been very, very blessed um, in life. I um, grew up in a town, as you know, of 800 people, Chatham, with one yeah. red light. And uh, Auburn was the biggest place I had been. And I went to be a sports writer. I wanted to go back uh, near Mobile, where, where, where I near I grew up. And, and I got to Auburn, and I... Um, Immediate, it was the biggest place, and I was overwhelmed with all these people. I've never seen as many people, maybe at a Saints game or a Braves game. And, yeah. and uh, but I immediately noticed there was sort of a caste system of the haves and the have nots. I didn't know what Mountain Brook was, or a Buckhead, or St. James. I didn't know what private school was, and khakis, and tree torns, and izods, and all that. And, <laughs> but I immediately recognized, I said, Well, um, and when, by the way, that's fine because I've, you know, but I, I grew up in like Mayberry oh, and I did sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It was just your, your eyes were open to a bigger world. Yeah. And I said, but I, I think I can outwork folks and I think I can outthink them. And so very fortuitously, my first journalism class was taught by the head of sports information, David Housel. And um, great man. He talked about the locker room and the press box and the sidelines and Bo Jackson and Charles Barkin. I said, man, I got to be there. And one of the first lessons that I, I, I teach to all my students was that um, had I not taken that shot after class and gone up and, and said, Hey, I want to be there. And he said, come this afternoon uh, and just packed my satchel and went to lunch. Yeah. Never would have known. And so, you know, and in my book, it's, you know, Gresky says, you know, you, you never miss a shot you don't take. And Michael Jordan says, you know, you know, I've, I've, I've missed a lot of buzzer beaters. But uh, 
Uh, that led me on this amazing path. I worked four years there, fell in love with the business of college sports, was working on Heisman Trophy campaigns and driving Dick Vitale and Paul Feinbaum around and all that. And um, I made a vow to myself that if I ever got in a position to help the next generation of Vince Thompson's, right. that I would do that. Yeah. And so over time, um, you know, spent a, a great 15 years in Birmingham, you know, with you building the career and decided to dive in the deep end here in 2000. And over time, I would go back and speak to a lot of college kids and I would say, hey, let me give you some pointers about what it takes to really make this happen so you don't have to crash through nine million doors like I did. Yeah. And so I would get these resumes. And, and so up until um, the, even going into the spring, I'd get about 500 resumes for our intern program. We would accept 40 kids, uh, 50 great speakers like yourself would, would come in and talk about their, you know, you know, careers and their, and their opportunities, paths and obstacles. Um, and then we would take great field trips to all the Coke sponsored venues and, um, they could write about it and they got to go present it to the Coke people about their ideas about how, how Coke could market to them. And then we would only hire out of that pool. Uh, and then if they didn't want to be hired at Melt, I would place them in jobs all over the world in the industry, ESPN, sure. PGA and all that. So when things kind of hit the fan, um, the week of March 16th, yeah, March 13th, I lost, yeah. I lost, I lost tens of millions of dollars in revenue in one week. Yeah. I was heading toward producing my 18th final four. We've represented Coca-Cola for 20 years, managed tens of millions of dollars in, in sports. But one of the things that happened was these kids started coming out of the woodwork saying, please help us. We've had our summer intern programs and study abroad programs and jobs and everything just blown up. Very much so. And that happened to coincide with my desire to take this program virtually anyway, because I was, you know, I, I, I was like, I want to share this knowledge outside the walls of the agency. And so, and so, uh, I heard that. I always wanted to do it virtual. And then we have always been known as a great event marketing company. But people didn't realize we did all these other services like television programs and social media. And so unwittingly, I've built this massive multimedia platform that we have 2000 kids in now, 65 podcasts, weekly newsletter, video tutorials. I've taught 25 Zoom classes across the country in marketing. The, and, and our clients and prospects have said, well, we didn't realize you did all those other things, even though I tried to tell them that for years. Right. And the second thing is goodwill is good business. I so agree I'm, I'm out there keeping a forward facing, positive facing in the industry um, and uh, at a time for the next generation of marketers at a time when most people in my business have we've gotten clobbered because there's no you know, there's no fans in attendance yeah. live supporting us and all that. And so. Um, you're walking your talk, and that's one reason I wanted you on here. Well, I've been in this is the things I just didn't decide to do. I've been doing this intern program for 20 years. No, I know it had not gotten to the scale it is, is now, but uh, um, but I tell you, and, and, then, and then you know, Greg, and it's one of those things, and I'm and I'm and I and I tell everybody this, uh, because it's going to be very difficult in the employment place for a long time, particularly yeah. entry level job seekers, because there are more people willing to take a lesser job for a lesser salary, and it's going to further depress the entry-level market. So the first question I ask anybody, particularly the kids, is what did you do for yourself and others during COVID? And if they say, or they can't answer, or they say, I played a video game for six months, then they're gone. Uh, or if they say, 
Well, I helped serve meals for first responders or I taught myself a new skill or, um, you know, I had to care for my elderly parents or anything like that. Uh, Those intangibles are going to start helping people break through this. And so I was reading this newsletter and um, it said, hey, if you've ever wanted to write that book you've wanted to write, do it. And I was like, "Okay." And I wanted to take my speeches on campus and condense them down into this book to say, hey, let me really, and the, and the timing of this thing couldn't have actually been better, like I said. I, look, thing. I totally agree. I've given out copies of your book. And it's, <laughs> you know, and the, there are a lot of people saying, how do I brand myself? So go ahead. Well, and so I said, well, I think I'll do it. And uh, you've written books and it's an amazing process. And it is, yeah. it is a very rigorous process. Um, and and I was I was very specific with the, I found this, when I clicked on the link, there was this great publishing house in Charleston of all places called Advantage. And it's entire this in the entire process. And then they marry you with the right writer. And the lady was in Los Angeles. She had just had two boys graduate from college. And she had just been through this process of trying to help her kids out into the job market. And so she intuitively took all of my words and all of my speeches and just, and we just had this great chemistry and then they took me all the way through the process. And so um, uh, it's really been a tremendous uh, labor of love. And, and, and again, I think it's even more universal advice because everybody, Greg, I've not been off the hamster wheel for 40 years. Right. And there were things I wanted to do with my myself and my organization and, and other things that when you're running a large company and, you know, demands all over you all day and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it's like I said, if you don't lose anybody to the COVID and we can get to the other side of this, I think everybody's going to come out. Um, hopefully that they did some things for themselves and hopefully we'll all have a little bit better empathy for one another. Cause that's one of the things I tell the kids in the book. I'm like, you can't take no personally. I'm the world's worst at it, but, but like, you don't like right now I'm dealing with my dad has a broken hip. They got hit by a hurricane. I'm running a distressed business. You know, you don't know what people are going through. Right. So, so having that, having that empathy, but then on the other side of it is, is that you're going to have to work so much harder to get in the job market or get back in the job market, I use a fishing analogy. It used to be a hundred cast to get eight job bites to get two interviews. Okay. Now it's five hundred. Okay. So to get eight to get two, and um, and it's going to be it's you know and I call it the participation generation. They've never been in this tumble cycle, and so I really think long term the outcome is going to be really good because it, it's going to insert. Um, uh, a little uh, grounding or humility or understanding in the process. Cause I tell these students, I'm like, if I'm going to invest in you $50,000 a year. I'm also investing more money in your insurance, your 401, the desk you sit at and all those types of things. And then for you to leave barely when the seats warm after three months, you know, that causes me a lot of business disruption because they're all, they're all thinking they're going to be Zuckerberg overnight. And I mean, that guy has worked his fanny <laughs> off to be, you know, I mean, yes. you know, but, 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 and, but they benchmark with one another. And so <laughs> I think that's going to be great. But then the other thing is that, um, is that I think everybody is going to be able to step back and go, okay, um, how do I position my brand in the marketplace? 
what am I passionate about? Who do I emulate? Do I emulate, you know, Tim Cook? Do I like the brand attributes of Apple? What do I stand for? What are my passions? How am I presenting myself in social media? I call it passing the grandma test. Uh, if you don't want your grandma to see it, don't post it. Now, but here's the thing. I don't care if you're authentic and I don't care if I agree with what you're posting. What I'm looking for is the judgment that you're showing when you're posting something. That's great advice. That's a, that's great an advice. intangible. This right. whole this whole thing with the job is not an application. It's a process. It's an audition. You won't believe the hundreds of resumes I'll get to a generic melt website that says, to whom may it concern, here's my resume, I need to make X amount of dollars. Guess what the first thing I do with that is? I flush it. Because you can, with this device, you can find out anything in the planet. I used to have to go to the library to look at the yellow pages in the encyclopedia. LinkedIn is the greatest tool. Know your target. Tee up the emotional cues. Hey, Greg, I see you're a graduate of Sanford. You were the SGA president. You've got a book. They're showing you intangible communications that they care. It's only as important as you make it. And, and they then took it, initiative it, to do research. They took initiative to do the research. Because they're showing you what type of employee they would be. Right. I agree. You, know, you, you expect them to have all the pedigrees and the degrees and all that. But yeah. what, what if you're going to make that investment in them, which is what it is, a major investment, and then what type of judgment are they going to be using when they're on the front lines with you, with your business and your clients and all this kind of stuff. And so, but you're communicating that effort. Um, and you're looking for those emotional cues. If you get a resume in from a Sanford student and they've done their homework on you, you're going to pay attention to it more than you would somebody else. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's human nature. And right. so, so, but, but not just entry level. I think people that really want to kind of reinvent themselves, um, there's never been another time in a hundred years, nor hopefully there won't be another time to be able to go out and do it. And I'm hearing this anecdotally across. Yeah. Well, and, and let me, let me say this. Another reason I wanted to do this interview here is as you all know, we work with business owners, we work with families generationally. And from the standpoint of what you, your message here in terms of entrepreneurship, you got to always innovate. The business model can change. You know, the way you interview or the way you get your message across, the way you brand yourself can change. And you've got to be open to adjusting to that. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, your, your message is very timely here for many ages, not just the kids right. coming out of college. Right. And I and I and I could say I'm, I'm hearing that. But because here's the thing, Greg. In social media, we were all born on the same birthday. So it's not like, like you can't, you, you can teach an old dog new tricks now. Right. It's not, you, 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 I, trust me, I've done it. I have never done a podcast and now I've, 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 I've personally hosted 65 and I'll do another hundred, but here's another thing I'm doing with the podcast. When I have you on, you'll be talking about um, careers in, in, uh, in the financial world but you'll be talking about how you use college as your ultimate professional lab. When you were student body SGA, you will talk about your path, your obstacles and what you've overcome. And then we'll put it out there. And then if the smart ones hear it, they will go research you. They'll figure out how to find you. They'll write you an emotionally cued note that says, Hey, Mr. Powell, I heard you on Vince Thompson's podcast. Very inspiring. Congrats on your success. I'd like to establish a relationship with you. Right. But, but, but think about running that ground ball out. It's effort. 
because you just don't know where you say, well, maybe, maybe I'm needed. Maybe I want a new head of social media or, or whatever for, for five plan partners. And all of a sudden this person parachutes in and it's in its timing. So, so, and again, in a virtual environment, bring the heat, the old standards, the old hit songs apply, wear a collared shirt, look somebody in the eye, have a nice backdrop, shut the dog out of the room, turn your damn phone off. I, I, I'll shut, I'll, I'll, uh, somebody will look at their phone when I'm interviewing and I click it off and they go, well, there must have been a technical glitch. I said, yeah, it was a technical glitch. I disconnected you. <laughs> and so, but they, they lose sight of all of these things. Know your, know your interview, the interviewer. Like they, if they know you have daughters and ones in New York and all these types of things, they're soft. You're softening the target. These sure. are the tricks of the trade. It's a process. It's a, it's a blind date, you know, in your resume, I call it an inverted pyramid. Don't lead with education, lead with who you are and what you're about and what you want to be about. Good hey, advice. You know, Hey, former student body president, Seeking uh, to leverage my finance background and 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 the world of finances, it can target tailor that career objective, and then come down with your experience. First of all, no word documents, no word documents, very visual, one page. Then it says, "Don't say you worked in a coffee shop. Say I was working my way through school on the front lines of consumer behavior, serving hundreds of people a day." Think about that. Yeah, and so and so so because it's. To a, a potential busy guy like you or me, I call it the the billboard test. You've got about as much time as it takes to pass a billboard on the interstate to get mine or your attention. That's a real good analogy. Yeah. And so and so so all of these little things. Kids are getting great educations in the schools academically. Are they right. getting prepared for the real world? I could debate, and I could tell you a lot of people right now are really questioning the value of paying $50,000 a year for a virtual education. And, and, and if this goes on, it, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see that the, what the business model and the training and the education and learning model of these major colleges without major endowments is going to, and I'm already seeing the pain across. Oh, yeah. the no, no, let me say this. I, I've seen research reports that are saying by 2030, two thirds of the private universities or colleges in this country could be closed. That's a lot of real estate. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, if you if you if you if you if you factored out the student loan scam, they'll collapse. Yeah, and so so, and I'm not so sure. Whatever your politics are, it's not right for a kid to come out of college two hundred thousand dollars in debt. It's just not right. Well, the the thing is, is that the brand doesn't the the, the brand of the university doesn't guarantee success. No, not at all. And that's that's the thing, and that is. You know, there was that time period where you said, well, I'm going to to pay up to get that. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't think that's the case today in this uh, information age. And it, when you were talking about the old dogs earlier, I, I was thinking to myself how what I say now has changed so much mm-hmm. because I used, you know, I, I now add to my, my statement. And, you know, the statement, the books you read, the podcast you listen to, the vlogs you watch. And the people you associate with will determine the next ten years of your life. Well, that ladders up into who you you are as a brand. Exactly. You you, you basically just just scripted out. And I also say, and and this, I think this is a good one you like. Your values and your reputation equals your brand. Okay. So what yeah. what do you stand for? 
Right. What have you done to live up to that value? I mean, you've always had a hand in the community. People know what your brand stands for. Right. I've always tried to help young people and, and others out. You know, I've raised an African-American family for 20 years. Yeah. People know what my brand stands for. Sure. And even, even though they may go, hey, this guy's a mad scientist sometimes, they always know where my heart is. Right. And so, so everybody has this opportunity to sort of step back uh, and, and, and really take a self-analysis. And, I, and I'm telling you, I said to myself early on, but don't lose anybody that I love. In spite of just millions of dollars in losses, this is going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And I set out as, that, as my mission when COVID first hit. And I thought it'd be over by Memorial Day and we'd be back to, you know, producing events in the summer and music and food festivals and all that kind of stuff. And they push the, push the world games back a year for goodness sake and those types of things. And so, uh, um, but I do think it's, um, you know, the empathy, I think people are going to see, I mean, I, I never pass a homeless person. I don't give a dollar to or money to. I over tip everywhere I go. You know, the valet guys, because you know that they're seeing fewer cars or the servers are seeing they're, fewer They're working people. hard. But put that karma out there. Put that positive energy out there. Put that goodwill out there, because when you need it, it'll come back to you. And so, um, and, and I really think we all need that, uh, you know, now, with, 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 you know, all the insanity, you know. I mean, if you and I taking a Hollywood script to Hollywood to say, Oh, by the way, the Masters is going to be in November with no fans and game day is going to be in the ninth hole. Not only would they run us out of town, they would have locked us in a mental institution. You know, and I mean, who would have thought that? You're right. They would have, no one would have believed what we're saying. And, but, but during these type of, of times, or, you know, the saying that's used at times, creative destruction or whatever business models change, innovation comes out, you know, as you were describing about what you're going through, uh, with some like Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs had to leave Apple to come back and create an incredible success. How can you awesome. miss me if I never go away? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, the thing is people that we uh, view so successfully from a historical standpoint, if you really study them, they went through these transformations during these type of times. And it was, it was the innovation, the outreach, uh, the empathy and all the things you're talking about here today, Vince, that, that, made them successful well and then you know here's the thing too particularly and, and this is why i try to give these these students the encouragement is that they are the most sophisticated consumer of all time okay. because they're digital natives they okay. understand this stuff they are early adapters and by the way pre-covid they were forcing massive shifts in consumer behavior and massive shifts in in cpg and retailers behavior they were ordering cars online they were having books delivered to their doors. Malls were going up, going under anyway. Oh, yeah. people, weren't, people weren't going to football games. They were cutting their – you can't find a kid under 25 that has a cable television subscription. They look at you like you're archaic. And, and so if you, <laughs> you just said those things 10 years ago, yeah. so they're driving a lot of this. So I tell them, like, step back and identify what your consumption habits are and then try to figure out how to apply that and either starting a business or going toward to companies yeah. Uh, I'm starting a huge company that's going to help student athletes get paid a lot of money when the the legislation is passed next year. And and, right. and by the way, first time in 50 years there's been a virgin business opportunity in the world of college business of college athletics. Yeah, but it's driven by 
Trevor Lawrence or Bo Nix or Mac Jones should be able to, to, to monetize his social media platform no different than your daughters or my son. No, you're right. You're absolutely right about I that. But also, you know, you know, you work with athletes who may who have made major monetary contributions right. to their universities right. because of their name, their name on the back of a jersey, their name on. Yeah, and by the, the way, and by the way, they should have gotten a piece of that. But see, then everybody goes, "Oh, it's going to create all these problems." It's actually going to save all the non-revenue sports. Why do I say that? What if the Auburn women's equestrian team? could go get a $200,000 sponsorship from a saddle company. What if I went to Procter & Gamble and said, hey, you've got female products you want to use of these kids to talk about empowerment and use their platform. And I deliver that brand new money into that team and that money can help save that team as opposed to the athletic departments under this ruse of, of, of budget cutting that they're going to eliminate these sports. Right. I've got a whole major vision for this, focusing on the companies not the student athletes and not the universities. I want to, I'm going to go where the money is, which is what I've been doing all along with the relationships. We represent Athlac and Coke and all these guys. Right. So, but I wouldn't have had the time to do this. The doors have opened doors, right. closed, doors open. Yeah. Right. And then, and I have to ask you this too, Vince, because I'm fascinated. You and I had a conversation a few months back. Uh -huh. uh, you mentioned about 25 year olds and under and not attending sporting events. Talk just about the, the technology and what you're seeing, the trend away from going to the, the pro sports, but more in terms of the, the Xbox, I guess I should say, sports of the world. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me, let me break all of this down for you. Um, the sophistication of the professional sporting venues has put a lot of pressure on the college venues. Okay. Because, and, and with respect to my alma mater, Sitting on a hard metal bleacher at Auburn versus a giant recliner in the Mercedes Stadium, there's no comparison. True. They were also heading toward a demise because young kid, young people have young kids. They're playing soccer on Saturday now or volleyball. You don't know when the game's going to be on. You're not going to pay $1,000 to go see a cream puff when you can pay $1,000 and get this beautiful 80-inch television and watch 25 games and not have some knucklehead standing up in front of you the whole dead gum game. Then, uh, then you have the ability to access this instantly. Now, the reason that, 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 that live sports will continue to command a premium in what we call the rights fees to televise them okay. is because there's such a giant appetite for fantasy sports and legalized wagering. Okay. Now, Alabama will probably be one of the last, but there's already 18 states who've, who've passed it because it's money on the table because they were going to illegal bookies and now these budget shortfalls because of all the states. So – you're going to have that, but but um, also it's a form of, you know, to keep somebody's attention span that long, um, you know, when you go to a game. Now, there's emotional reasons to go to these games, but now there's also so many more options. I mean, eSports, I mean, if, if you and I had taken another, had taken a script to Hollywood that said, if we're going to, a bunch of people are going to sit around and watch people play video games online, they'd have thrown us out of town again. <laughs> and so, so, so. You know, it's the attention uh, generation uh, as well. And so, um, and, and by the way, I don't, I'm not so sure, with the exception of major instances, you'll ever see 80 to 100,000 people. I mean, you probably will at Alabama and some of the bonded names, but, but I think, and a lot of people are not going to be able to afford it. Um, you know, and then the, the, the cord cutters are going to push the rice fees down. I think there's a, 
there were already these major shifts coming in uh, in all sports, but I think you're going to see seismic shifts in the acceleration of them. Uh, and I still have never thought it was right that somebody made a hundred million dollars and some poor school teacher contributing to societies was making thirty six thousand, or yeah. firefighters or policemen or all that. So I'm hoping there's a and I'm I'm a little hypocritical here, but I'm hoping there's a little bit of a forced uh, reckoning. Um, and, and so we'll kind of see where it all goes, but, but, um, you know, you, you and I are going like, well, maybe we don't have to go to the game. We can just watch it on television and we can take a nap and, uh, you know, or, or, you know, or we don't want to spend 12 hours and a thousand dollars to, you know, for a $9 hot dog or something like that. Well, you can just sense that the whole industry is changing again. That's why I always enjoy talking to you is that these business models all around us, technology is changing it. Uh, and then with COVID, it just it just forced it to speed up more than ever. No, I think it probably accelerated it three to five years. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So, well, you know, I already know that the people watching this blog understand why I enjoy talking to Vince Thompson. Uh, just just this dialogue and all the ideas that are coming out. The, th- the great thing about it is, and your book answers some some of these questions is that I'm always with you and I always walk away, not only understanding solutions and trends, but also I got, I have more questions to ask and I, I, I treasure you. I thank you. Uh, I know that your life and your leadership has caused a lot of rippling effects and what you've done at melt and what you're getting ready to do. And uh, I just, on Innovation Mavericks, uh, there's no doubt in my mind, this will be one that a lot of people will want to watch and share. So thank you, Vince, for doing it. Well, I, you know, listen, I've been very blessed. And, um, you know, uh, you know, people say, you know, how you represent Coca-Cola for 20 years, it's a world record. And I go, it's a very simple axiom. And this is one thing I tell the kids, I'll give you a parting shot. Yeah. What's your secret? I go, I never take the relationship for granted. Yeah. Any relationship you're cultivating is like a flower or plant. You got to groom it. You got to prune it. You got to water it, fertilize it, give it sunlight. Um, And that's the way it is with any personal professional relationship. And I tell people that the first two letters of relation, the first two letters of relationship are RE. The first two letters are reciprocal of reciprocal or RE. So you've got to make sure all the relationships in your life run both ways. Don't be too much of a giver or too much of a taker. And if you have people in a relationship where there's an imbalance or inequity, it will always ultimately cause friction, cause friction and not end well. So yeah. seek out those relationships, those mentors, uh, and you're going to really see what people are truly made of during this time. And then when we get to the to the other side of it, I mean, you know, you can't. Nobody could have envisioned it, but I do think overall that it's going to be um, maybe a positive reset for everybody. And, and uh, you know, I just I, it never I never flinched by saying I wanted to go out and do good for for the for the students because I knew they were I knew they were hurting. And um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it's 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 been really, really gratifying for me. I will tell you that. Well, I know that I'm going to get emails and uh, text and calls to. Uh, to get you back on, uh, and, and it's an honor. In, you know, in six months, uh, we'll look back over this vlog and see where we are, but, uh, I can't thank you enough. I am thankful that in 1985, Vince Thompson and Greg Powell started a friendship, uh, that I truly treasure. So thank you. 
I tell you what, it, I, I thank you so much and just let everybody know I'm, I'm, I'm out here for them, whatever I can do to help. Okay. Build Brand You by Vince Thompson. Amazon.com. Great stocking stuffer. It is it is a must for all ages. <laughs> hey, by the way, the the I was just named on the top 30 most influential Georgia sports business figures by the Atlanta Business Chronicle. So they must have run out of people to choose. Oh, no, always, not at they all. always need I a just, token redneck. You know, I, I I was just trying to cut the bio down as much as I could. I was afraid we'd take up all the blog time just to talk about all the They always need a token Alabama redneck somewhere. <laughs> Take care, Vince Thompson. Keep let's let's keep in touch. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. God bless you. Bye.